Well, good morning, Grace Chapel. It is good to be with all of you here. As Brian mentioned earlier, I am your new pastor for our community of women here at Grace Chapel. And it truly is a pleasure to be here with all of you to see all of these beautiful, smiling faces. I love it. Um, I wanted to extend a personal invitation to our women who are here with us this morning because we'll be kicking off um, our women's studies here in the next few weeks. We have Bible studies, um, events, and gatherings going on at each of our campuses. And I would really love for you to be a part of our community, especially uh, if you're a woman here. It's real easy to do. Just go to grace.org slash women. You'll find out all the information that you need. And if you would like to reach out to me directly, I would love to hear from you. It's real easy to do. You'll find my contact information there. And just shoot me an email. Maybe we can go grab coffee, have a chat, uh, whatever that might look like. So I would love to hear from you. Well, I wonder how many of you have experienced a time in your life where you felt like everything was just turned upside down. Change was coming at such a rapid pace that it really left you with a lot of big questions. Well, I would have to say that um, what I have just experienced in my move from Texas to the greater Boston area could definitely fall into that category. Definitely the biggest change that I've experienced. Really, the last seven years of my life has been nothing but change, going from TV journalist to inner city ministry, and a whole lot of unexpected change along the way, including seminary and then now um, here, moving here. I would uh, imagine that moving across three-fourths of the country would be enough to shake up anybody, right? Yeah, it can be a, a little bit nerve-wracking. And it's been, it's been a bit of an emotional ro roller coaster, if I'm just being real with you guys here this morning. Um, saying goodbye to my family and my friends, but also in this expectancy and this excitement in my hello with all of you. So I thought it might be fun to share uh, just a little, give you a glimpse, a little bit of my moving experience. How about that? Would you like that? Let's just say that what started out as a great adventure had the potential to become a nightmare. Uh, I paid extra money to guarantee that all my furniture would show up, land right on the same day. I wanted to be efficient. Do you think that happened? Yeah, the laughs tell the story. Of course it didn't. Um, what ensued was um, a series of back and forth emails and phone calls with my moving company trying to figure out how to get my remaining furniture into my third floor apartment. Now, the interesting thing about this is on the front end, I had already talked with them and said, hey, I have an armoire and a couch, and I think it's going to be a little too big to go up the narrow stairs, so please make sure that you go ahead and have that hoist company in place for me so everything can get moved in on the same day. Well, my moving company neglected to do that. And on the back end, they wanted to charge me an additional $1,500. So I don't know if you've ever been moved from Texas to the greater Boston area, but it's a little pricey. <laughs> Um, so they wanted to charge me that additional money, um, and I was just kind of going, yeah, that wasn't in the original discussion. And to top it all off, I still didn't know where uh, my remaining furniture was located. Um, I finally, by the end of that first week, I received an email back that my furniture was in Canton. I still don't know where Canton is. <laughs> Sorry if you're from Canton. <laughs> 
And so I'm just kind of going, okay. Somebody on staff uh, texted me back and said, what is your furniture doing in Canton? That is nowhere close to where you live. I'm like, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> well, I finally managed to speak directly with a hoisting company who thought they could move my uh, armoire and furniture up to the third floor through my third floor window. Okay, maybe that's normal for you guys, <laughs> but I've never seen that done before. So here it is, um, the second moving day. Needless to say, I was doing a lot of praying because there's something a little nerve-wracking about them telling you that your furniture is going to be coming through a third floor, third floor window. Here is your furniture dangling right between these two buildings, and you're like, oh, my gosh, is this really going to work? It did. And so um, on that second delivery day, I see the truck and this big hoist and dangling chains. And sure enough, there's my furniture. Yay, there it is. I'd never seen one of those before, but there it is. And so when the guys were able to uh, get everything in smoothly, and I felt a lot better, right, once I saw, well, to be honest, I couldn't really watch all of that. It kind of makes me nervous just looking it up on the screen right now. <laughs> But finally, everything did arrive safely, and, well, here was my response. <laughs> that is a real picture, and I did ask the guy to take a picture of me doing that. <laughs> Life is about change, isn't it? You think that you have the problem solved, and then the unexpected happens. Just as sure as the snow will come again this winter, hopefully unlike last year, a new season is imminent. But do we ever feel ready for change? I'd imagine in a congregation our size across our East Lexington, Lexington, Watertown, and Wilmington campuses, um, that there are many of you that could come to me after the sermon and say, Cheryl, let me tell you about this time of transition. Actually, a few people did after the first service came up and told me some of their stories. As we conclude this reset series, my hope is that wherever you find yourselves right now, starting a new job, retiring, a student gearing up for the new school year, maybe it's an unexpected reset, a family member whose health has worsened and you need to be, um, get you and your family prepared for that. Or maybe you've just been putting off what you know needs a reset. Whatever your situation, my hope for us today is that we find rest in God as we enter into our new season. Hold on, change is coming. We find Moses and the people of Israel in a time of great transition in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 31. They too were on the edge of something new. That's where I want us to spend our time together this morning in verses 1 through 8 to discover three of God's assuring promises that can help us rest in our season of change. To give us some background, after 120 and 20 years, Moses is preparing for the succession of Joshua. I can only imagine how Moses must have felt serving God faithfully for most of his life, and the Lord tells him it's time to perform his final acts. Joshua would become Israel's new leader. God wanted Moses to make sure that everyone was positioned for change. 
Deuteronomy is essentially several of Moses' speeches to the new generation of Israelites who were about to enter into the land of Canaan, the land God promised to their fathers in the very first book of the Bible in Genesis chapter 12. But Deuteronomy is about more than just a rehash of what Moses had already said. This Old Testament book reflects what the average Israelite of that day found most important in his or her relationship with Yahweh. Scholars suggest that the events recorded in Deuteronomy likely happened just weeks before they actually entered into the promised land. The Greek philosopher Heraclitos of Ephesus said, the only constant is change. He was only partially correct. And one of Moses' final acts as leader, he wanted to make sure that the Israelites knew that yes, change was coming, but hold on because the Lord Yahweh was their constant. The Israelites could count on their God who loved them with a loyal love. It's the first promise we see. God is faithful to go before us. Beginning with verse 1. Then Moses went and spoke these words to all Israel. He said to them, Today I'm 120 years old, and I'm no longer able to get about. And the Lord has said to me, You will not cross the Jordan. The Lord kept Moses from crossing over into the promised land because of his disobedience. We find it in Numbers 20, verses 8 through 12. In light of Israel's disobedience up to this time and in what was to come, God wanted the Israelites to remember, I take obedience very seriously, no matter who you are. But God was very gracious to Moses, his trusted leader. He let him see that his promise would be fulfilled. God allowed him to step out on the edge of Of the promised land. Can you just picture this? Here is Moses. God allows him to step out on the edge of the promised land and see all that he had been a part of bringing about. God had gone before him. Deuteronomy 34 10 through 12 says, No prophet ever again arose in Israel like Moses, who knew the Lord face to face. He did all the signs and wonders the Lord had sent him to do in the land of Egypt to Pharaoh, all his servants, and the whole land. And he displayed great power and awesome might in view of all Israel. What an honor for Moses to be described that way in the Bible. The Israelites were about to enter Canaan. God keeps his promises. We repeatedly see God's faithfulness to Israel as we continue to read. Look with me now, especially at the highlighted words. As for the Lord your God, he is about to cross over before you. He will destroy these nations before you and dispossess them. As for Joshua, he is about to cross over before you just as the Lord. The Lord will do to them just what he did to Sihon and Og, the Amorite kings, and to their land, which he destroyed. Now, this is a reference to how the Lord destroyed the giants in Deuteronomy chapter 2 because they opposed God's purpose and promise to Israel. 
Verse 5, the Lord will, are you kind of getting this with me? Deliver them over to you and you will do to them according to the whole commandment I have given you. Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or tremble before them. For the Lord your God is the one who is going with you. Which we're going to come back to that specific point. He will not fail you or abandon you. Then Moses called out to Joshua in the presence of all Israel, be strong and courageous for you will accompany these people to the land that the Lord promised to give their ancestors and you will enable them to inherit it. The Lord is indeed going before you. He will be with you. He will not fail you or abandon you. Do not be afraid or discouraged. I could have called this message The Lord will do what he says he will do. God went before the Israelites. The Lord and their new leader Joshua would be the ones to go before them into the promised land. The covenant with God and his people lies at the heart of this book. In Deuteronomy 31, Moses reemphasizes God's loyal character time and time again, chapter after chapter. I encourage you to spend some time in the Old Testament because Scripture gives us confidence that our God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. When the Lord is preparing us to step into something new, we often need the reminder of his faithfulness too, don't we? Sure, there's an excitement at the precipice of a new beginning. In this succession, Joshua was, a, he was about to lead a whole new generation into the promised land. But often, with something new, we can experience this personal process of letting go that can, it can bring a sense of hesitation, can it? We may want the new, but are we willing to do what's needed to step into that new? Moses knew that God was about to fulfill his promise to Abraham by giving the land of Canaan to his descendants, the divine blessing. But here's the thing. God knows it all. Because he is faithful to go before us, he also knows what we need for the journey. And oftentimes, that means going through some unexpected changes. When I decided to leave my nearly 20-year television career, I had no idea that that would be the beginning of constant change. The time of reset for me, it didn't happen overnight, and I wasn't doing the happy dance like you guys saw me when I was hugging my armoire. But God knew that I needed to reset my reliance on him, my capacity for compassion, my prideful attitude, He allowed situations in my finances, being unemployed for the first time, dealing with some health issues, and a heartbreak to grow my dependence on him. I took baby steps at first, but it stretched me like climbing Mount Washington. Over time, I became more and more aware of how he went before me. That didn't mean that I always got what I wanted. Mostly, I didn't. (laughs) But God knew what I needed, and he gave that to me when I needed it most. If you had told me seven years ago that I would quit television 
go into the inner city of Little Rock to learn how to love people who had little else to give, to sell my house in order to be able to pay for seminary, and then move to Boston and become a pastor? I'd say, what? What are you talking about? But God knew. He knew. He went before me. And I am so glad that he continues to teach me that I can trust his faithfulness to lead me into the new. And you can trust him too to lead you into the new places. The book of Deuteronomy is filled with God's divine promises. What divine promise do you need to hold on to because you know change is coming? Ask him to remind you where he has already gone before you. Sometimes we can't see it because we're looking for what we want to see. Like with the Israelites, God extended a whole lot of patience with me. I began to realize that change was more about learning that he remained the same when everything, literally everything around me was changing. Maybe your reset will come in stages like mine. Maybe your reset is here. The new school year starts in just a few days and you already feel behind. Or you're holding out for, for the last few days of summer. I sure couldn't blame you for that, <laughs> especially with the winter you had last year. Maybe you just need to say, okay, Lord, I'm holding on to you. Change is coming. Let's do this. Take some time to sit down and talk with the Lord. We're going to give you a chance to do that here at the end of our time together today. God is faithful to go before us. Just as the Lord went before the Israelites and he goes before us, the second assuring promise in this passage is that God is going with us in our changes of life. In verse 6 and 8, the tense of the word go indicates an ongoing, a continuing action. Notice again with me the highlighted words. For the Lord your God is the one who is going with you. The Lord is indeed going with you. He will be with you. He will not fail you or abandon you. God is with you as you wave goodbye on your child's first day of kindergarten or make that trip to take your son or daughter to college for the first time. He's with you when your friends reject you because you've decided to follow Jesus Christ. He's with you on that first day of your new job, and he's with you when you get that unexpected diagnosis. We are not alone. The pronoun he um, emphasizes God's role in leading the nation and their new leader, Joshua. The daunting task of whatever you face rests on God alone. Just as he was with the Israelites, he is going with us too as we go. Throughout the Old Testament, when Yahweh promises his presence, he offers limitless assistance. His divine promise extended to the first century 
when Jesus spoke with his disciples of the Great Commission. And it's true for followers of Christ today because his Holy Spirit lives within us. Matthew 28, 20, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. As we enter into the fall season on the edge of something new, we need to remember that God not only goes before us, he is going with us. My beautiful friend Vicki is uh, just, she's a great gift to me. We've known each other for over 20 years, and we have been through just about everything together. Last December, Vicki discovered a lump in her breast. Now, she didn't tell anybody because she thought, oh, you know, it's probably nothing. But by mid-February, I received a phone call from her. Uh, now, Vicki would call me all the time. She is my biggest encourager. I had only a few months left of seminary, so I was used to calling her, uh, her calling me and saying, hey, how you doing? How's seminary going? And you've only got just a few more months. You know, you're going to graduate in May. But not on this call. On this call, I sat in silence as she told me she had been diagnosed with stage 3 breast cancer. We cried together, we prayed together, and we sat in the tension of the unknown. Now, earlier that same day, I received a call from Grace Chapel. I knew there were some changes ahead, and they were going to be pretty awesome. He is going with us through everything that we encounter I was smiling at my future, and Vicki had just been blindsided. He had gone before us, and he would be with us as we both took steps of faith into our new. On August 10th, Vicki rang the bell, as I'm told that cancer patients do, on their last day of chemo treatment. This is a picture of her. That's my beautiful, precious friend, Vicki. That's her last day of chemo treatment. She told me that cancer was the hardest journey that she has ever been on, but also the most amazing. In her words, God is incredibly faithful in the tiniest details that you'd never even think to ask him for. We forget there's nothing too small for God. We think of the big things, but God is going with us in every detail of life. That same week, her new grandson, Bo, was born on day four after her last treatment, usually a really hard day physically um, for her, but not on that day. She felt horrible before and after her treatment, but on that day, she had unusual strength and energy to hold her new grandbaby for the first time. Amen. Vicki, she's my hero. I have never known a braver woman more confident that her God is going with her. Where did Vicki get that courage and strength to go through such a difficult change? She still has a few more weeks of radiation, but she trusts that her God has the outcome. She trusts him with that. She believes she'll hear the words cancer-free. So do I. Where did Joshua find his confidence? And where do we find what we need 
in our time of reset? Our answer is found in the text. Did you catch it? Moses reiterates three times that the Lord is where they find their strength and courage. It's the third promise we see. To lean in to what God has already provided for you. Let's look back one more time beginning in verse 6. The first time, be strong and courageous. Do not fear or tremble before them. Second time, be strong and courageous. For you will accompany these people to the land that the Lord promised to give their ancestors. And one more time, do not be afraid or discouraged. The Israelites didn't have to go in their own strength. Neither did Joshua. And neither does my friend Vicki. Yahweh had a relationship with them. Moses could give Joshua the charge to be strong and courageous because it was the Lord who would enable him. Can you hear it? Hold on. Change is coming. Lean in, Joshua. God's got this. And God's got you. The next-gen Israelites had a choice to make. Do as their fathers had done, rely on their own strength, or commit to God's ways and have a new heart attitude. Would they lean in to what God had already provided for them in his promise that they would inherit the promised land? In his protection because he had gone before them. And in his presence, because he was going with them. The Expositor's Bible Commentary defines strong and courageous this way. Be strong. Individuals are urged to display the tenacity and resolve to do what's necessary to accomplish a worthy goal. Be courageous, or some uh, Bible versions translate it, be brave describes an inner strength that displays fortitude, commitment, and perseverance, even in the face of difficult circumstances. Today, we lean in to the divine promise of Jesus Christ. In his death and resurrection, we have life and courage and strength by the power of his Holy Spirit to do what we need to do. Where is God asking you to lean in to what he has already provided for you? I have one last picture to share with you. It's a favorite from my time with my dad and our journey. Uh, On Father's Day, he offered to make the 2,000-mile journey with me to help me begin my adventure here with all of you at Grace Chapel. With as much as we could fit in our Honda Pilot, we were off to journey together across the country. I was unaware of how impactful his presence would be for me, but God knew. He used our time together to assure me that I am exactly where I need to be. My dad gave his precious gifts of love and time and support, gifts that I will always treasure and hold near to my heart, but it got me thinking that if our earthly dad can give us such good gifts, how much more does our heavenly father have for us? My sweet dad, he was exhausted. I mean, literally, 
We have a picture of him here that's coming up in just a second. <laughs> that is a real picture, no joke. Um, he literally fell asleep around, you know, there were movers coming and going and furniture and boxes. And my sweet daddy, he just slept. <laughs> but here's the thing. Our heavenly father never sleeps. Where is change coming in your life this year? What is your reset in this new season? Is it a courageous step of faith to move across country or overseas? Perhaps God is asking you to commit to serve in Kidstown or um, join our community of women or, or one of our other life communities. Maybe you need to come home earlier one night a week because your family needs uninterrupted time with you. I don't know what it is, but there is something that God is asking you to do. That's, he's asking all of us to do. And he is the answer. Is it to slow down as we gear up for the fall? As Brian and our other pastors have talked about finding our Sabbath, many of you know that you've got way too much going on and you need to establish some healthy boundaries to give yourself some much-needed time with the Lord. Invite God into whatever your new is. Hold on, change is coming. As you look ahead, ask the Lord, where have you gone before me? As you consider the present, ask him, where are you going with me? And as you think about the past, ask the Lord, where do I need to lean in to what you have already provided for me? We're going to release now to each of our campuses so that we can all reflect for a moment on these three questions in private prayer, and then your campus pastor will come and close your time together. We're going to go ahead and take a minute or so now to do that. We're going to leave the questions up on the screen for you. Just a moment to ask the Lord these three questions, and then I'll come back and close us in prayer. Let's go ahead and do that now. Lord Jesus, thank you that you go before us. 
thank you that you are going with us, that your presence is always with us. And thank you so much that we can lean in to what you have already provided for us. God, I know um, in, a, in a congregation our size across all of our campuses, for the people who will be watching online, God, you know their every need you know where they need you most. And so I pray for each and every person who hears this message, God, that they would know your presence in a very real way. We thank you, God, for your son, Jesus Christ, who gives us eternal life, and we thank you for your love. It's in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.